Welcome to the Veganuary Podcast, the podcast that helps you to try a vegan diet. It's stuffed full of hints and tips for vegans and veg-curious people. Hello, Kim. Hi, Stu. What have we got coming up on today's episode? Oh, we've got some really exciting stuff. So we are talking about animals and the environment. Um, and really excitingly, we're talking to michelin star chef Alexis Gautier uh, about his incredible journey and um, his career as well that's really uh, interlinked with his vegan journey, which is really exciting. Mm, that's it. Yes. Um, but first, we're going to do our icebreaker. The most vegan thing that's happened to us this week. The least vegan thing that's happened to this week, us this week. Um, I hosted a dinner party for some friends. It's something that I try to do every Veganuary to get people around and give them some food. I made them some korean food i'm quite interested in cooking korean food at the moment so there was lots of spicy meat and rice and kimchi it was good so yeah that felt very vegan i felt like i was really yeah um try to get them through their stomachs all that stuff (laughs) oh so mine mine this week um I feel a bit ridiculous talking about this, so I want everyone to just hold their judgment on me a little bit. Um, so I, for some context, I live in a quite a rural village. There are lots and lots and lots of fields around. People have lots of animals. They are more kind of companion animals than like working farmed animals or anything. Um, lots of horses, lots of sheep, just to keep the grass down, you know, and lots of cows. Um so there was uh, an evening. It's it's dark early now, so it was probably wasn't very late. It's probably about half past four, and I I had my windows open to stop the condensation in the winter, as you do, and I could hear. It's not unusual to hear cows calling, so I could hear a cow calling, but it sounded really distressed, like really distressed. And I got my like vegan cape on and was like, I need to come and help this cow because. I feel like I'm some kind of Steve Irwin character these days. So I, I was like, you know, racing around to try and find this cow, you know, try, standing and listening out for whichever distressed cow this was in the fields. Um, and I just couldn't find it anywhere. So I was, you know, wandering around, a bit disheartened that I couldn't help this cow. And then I just kind of walked around the corner to my house, um, to one of my neighbour's houses, and they were strimming their garden. <laughs> and that's... And that's the noise I thought it was a cow. So. Oh my God. I'd spent like a good 45 minutes looking for this cow um, that didn't exist. I'm I'm really impressed though that you went to rescue the cow because I am quite afraid of cows, I think. Why? Um, (laughs) I'm quite scared of being stampeded by cows. Yeah. Uh, Have you ever been chased by a cow or some cows? I can't say I have, no. No. Have I you? Have. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I yeah. understand where that's come from then. I went, I was on a run once and I went into a field that had cows in it. <laughs> it was like a permissive footpath or whatever. It was fine. And the whole herd started running after me and it was one of the most terrifying experiences ever. Maybe they thought that you'd come to feed them and you were just... I think maybe they recognised me as a vegan. They maybe. thought I was a friend. They were coming to ask a, you, like, where you get your protein from. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I'll, I'll remember that next time that we're together. Yeah. And if I 
hear a cow that I'll be on my own um and the least vegan thing that happened to me today also animal um orientated I guess um is it similar to you I don't really love frogs I think they're a bit jumpy a bit shifty I don't know which direction they're gonna go (laughs) to they are a little bit suspicious uh I just don't trust their motives really frogs um I'm a bit frightened of them and so I was in the garden um about to mow the lawn and um because it's got crazy high and we lost that chihuahua in it so it's like it's time to mow the lawn um so I was like oh you know I always check I always check to make sure there aren't any frogs or anything in the garden because we get quite a lot where we are yeah and that was a really really big one right and I thought oh it's a big one like it's not going to be that jumpy because it's big there's more of it to move um jumped like at me and I cried (laughs) because this frog was coming at me and I thought that's not very vegan of me that I don't love frogs in the way that you know I maybe should uh so yeah i felt really bad and i was was on the floor quite a distance away just apologizing profusely to this frog that i'd been so startled by it moving um i felt really really embarrassed by the whole whole thing and i actually vowed i'd never tell anyone about it and now i'm telling the world Uh, (laughs) there we go uh that's me nicely embarrassed for this episode so moving swiftly on it's an interest. it's a bit of an interesting <laughs> contradiction because i feel like i feel quite strongly now that i don't i don't want to be eating animals but i still feel quite nervous around a lot of animals mm. i think i talked on the danny hatchard interview about how i've ch- I, like i feel like i have changed i've relaxed around animals mm. but even so animals still make me feel quite nervous um, and things that jump and move quickly mm. do frighten me a bit. Do um, I'm always envious of people that can that are just will just pick <laughs> up a frog in their hands. That's not about. And I feel like now that I've got a little boy as well, I want to be more like that, like yeah. less less nervous around animals to try and pass that on to him. Mm. This is really difficult, but but eating vegan does I think help. Um, because you do feel more in tune with animals. Yeah. Um, definitely. More empathy, I think, for them, absolutely. 100%, I'm the same. Spiders, yeah. I try my best not to be frightened of spiders in front of my little one, but yeah. um, always fail miserably and get the cup out to try and scoop it up without crying. So, mm. yeah, I am going to move on now because I am really embarrassed. Um, Stu, we have talked um, in the past few episodes about the hints and tips and tricks to really help people to start their vegan journey in the best way possible. And I'm really conscious of the fact that we haven't we haven't talked much about um, why people might want to go vegan. Mm. It's quite a controversial t- subject. People can be quite defensive about it, and understandably. Some people just don't want to, to know what goes on because, you know, we can't save everything and everyone, right? But I, th- I think everyone deserves the right to have some kind of basic facts behind them. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you about some of the reasons why people go vegan, specifically animals, I think, right now. Yeah. Yeah, it can be extremely emotive and, uh, and sometimes people feel like, um, when we talk about it, that um, we're trying to upset them and brainwash them um and that's not what we, we want to do at all yeah. uh but um there will be people out there who who do start eating vegan because they want to better understand how their food chain works yeah. and also i can guarantee that at some point when you 
eat vegan and you follow a plant-based lifestyle, the other people are going to ask you about these things at some point. Mm. People are going to try and catch you out um, about these issues. So I think a really basic understanding of what happens in uh, animal agriculture is really useful. Um, so we'll try not to get too graphic. We could get really graphic if we wanted, but we're going to try not to. But we'll we'll um, we'll go through a few a few of the different different circumstances that animals find themselves in. I think. Okay, uh, starting with um, appropriately, let's start with cows. I think the cows, your friend, our friend, the cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, um, uh, dairy is a really good place to focus. Dairy cows, um, you know, dairy cows have a, a rough time, really. So they'll they'll be artificially inseminated. We've talked on a previous episode about, uh, you know, the fact that we get milk from cows because they give birth to their calves. And the only way we can get the, that milk is to take the calves away from their mother. Um, unfortunately, uh, the male calves will almost certainly be slaughtered straight away or they may just be raised for veal or low-grade beef. Female cows just go straight back into the system, so they just become the, the next, you know, the next run of dairy cows uh, uh, they'll be artificially inseminated and impregnated the pregnancy of a dairy cow lasts for about nine months and then um, about two months after that uh, they'll be artificially inseminated again so it's like a constant constantly being made pregnant over and over again um, and then a cow's lifespan you know this kind of constant being pregnant and giving milk over and over again it means that the cow's lifespan is about five years um, and naturally her lifespan would have been about 15 to 20 years. So it's significantly, uh, significantly less than uh, it would have been if she'd been allowed to live a life in a natural way. Mm. Yeah, I think anyone that's um, had children uh, probably empathises with that, that tale a mm. little bit. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's not, not a life that I would want to leave myself. Mm. Um, moving on to hens and specifically free range hens because we get I personally get a lot of kickback about eggs and people say oh you know I only buy my eggs from free range hens and it can't really be that bad so what, what kind of what life does a free range hen have and why might that be a reason that people go vegan yeah I, there's been you know there's been some really big public campaigns uh, against um battery farmed hen, battery caged hens uh, over the last 10 years or so. I mean, there was a big one by Jamie Oliver that both of, both of us probably remember um, most clearly. Um, and, and, and you know, the, con the conditions for, for hens in battery cages are, are, are awful. Um, so it's a really good thing that we, we, we don't tend to um, eat eggs from battery cage, caged hens anymore. Um, but... Free-range hens don't have great lives either. Um, often they'll be crowded into barns together, you know, thousands at a time. They will have access to the outdoors, but obviously usually it's access through, access through like a small pop hole. Mm. Um, what tends to happen is the very strong birds will manage to get outside, but often some of the weaker birds just, just won't ever leave those barns. Um, the amount of crowding means that the the hens can behave very aggressively towards each other. Um, sometimes the hens can just die inside the barns, and and they just they'll just 
be left to rot among the other living birds, which is obviously really sad. And like um, like dairy dairy cows, the the babies, the male babies, are completely useless to um, uh, to the egg industry. So any ma- male babies born um, are just uh, euthanized straight away. Um, and the other thing to mention, so this is true for eggs and also for chickens uh, raised for meat, um, is that they're bred in such a way that they'll um, get very, very high yields. So they'll get as much meat as they can off one bird and they'll get as many eggs as they can out of one bird. And that puts a, a real strain on the animal's body. So often they can have broken bones and broken wings. Um, it it le- the, the egg producing process, because they're producing such high yields of eggs it leaches a lot of the calcium from their bones which is you know really bad for the for the hen so yeah it's it's a tough life it's mm. a tough life to be a, a a hen or a chicken in in animal agriculture yeah. it's also worth noting that um right now at the time of recording there's a government mandate um in place because of the avian flu so all hens have to be housed indoors um mm. so i guess free range isn't technically what's happening now at the moment anyway um mm. Which is, you know, equally sad, but um, for for the for the few that manage to actually get out a day, um, that's no longer an option anymore. Um, mm. Which again is another another sad um, result of kind of where we are at the moment. So we've done we've talked about cows, we've talked about hens and and chickens. Um, let's talk about fish. Because mm-hmm. I think people tend to have a bit more empathy for cows and hens because they are m- more familiar, I guess. We see them more often. Yeah. Um, but I find that people don't have the same empathy for fish and sea life. So we'll, we'll, let's talk about fish. Yeah, I mean, fish feel pain. That's the one of the most important points to get across because um, there's kind of been a, a history of people thinking that fish don't feel pain. But... Um, the science has proved that they do. Um, and then well, one thing I didn't know before I went vegan was that there are fish farms. I just thought that all fish were kind of fish from rivers and fish mm. from the ocean. But actually there are fish farms where fish are bred and they're um, packed into like four small, often filthy enclosures. Um, there's a lot of overcrowding. So actually about one third of the fish die in fish farms before they are meant to, if you see what I mean, before they come to slaughter. Mm. So um, that that's how badly that bad the overcrowding is. Similar to chickens, they, they can get violent with each other because they're packed into such tight, um, unpleasant conditions. So, mm. you know, lots of biting uh, uh, of fins and, and tails and eyes. And actually the, the fishing industry does inflict some, some pretty horrible... Uh, things on fishes on shrimp in particular um, they uh, get deliberately blinded because that boosts their fertility which is incredibly painful for the shrimp so some pretty horrible things going on in fish farms Um, and then in the oceans um, it's worth it's worth noting that our, our fish populations in our oceans are, are under serious strain, and and we're we're really looking at the possibility of of losing uh, some of our fish populations because they're so overfished, mm. um, which is obviously really sad. And then 
uh, they'll be trawled up in these huge nets. Like, don't imagine it's sweet little sailing boats bobbing over the ocean. It's like these big, horrible nets that are trawling up all these fish. Mm. Um, some of the fish at the bottom of the nets will just be crushed to death under the weight of the others. The change in pressure as they're lifted from the surface of the ocean is really, really tough on the fish. So pretty awful things happen. I, I don't think I'll go into too much detail, but mm. the change in pressure is, is, is really horrible on the on the fish's uh, bodies. And then these trawling nets, they, they don't just pull up fish. They can pull up whales and dolphins and seals, um, what the industry calls bycatch. Mm. Um and then when the fish are pulled up in the nets, they'll usually just be left to suffocate on the deck of the boat. Some bigger fish like tuna um, will just be killed with like a, a spike through the head. Mm. Um, so, yeah, not nice. Mm. Not nice. Yeah. No, not nice at all. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it sounds strange, but um, when I was, I was, obviously my little boy, he's not very old. He's like two. Um and I'm, I'm trying to teach him as much as I can about kind of where food comes from. So when he's older, mm. he can make a, an informed decision himself. Yeah. And I always find that scene in Finding Nemo quite useful when they're being pulled up from the sea to try and show him. I'm like, this, you know, this is where fish come from. This is what, you know, and you feel so, so bad for them, don't you? You want them to break free and to be. And I yeah. thought that was really well done considering. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're after ways to explain this to children or, you know, then then I'd absolutely recommend that little scene because it really, yeah, really helps me to emphasise that point. Even to adults yeah. sometimes when I talk about it, everyone feels for Marlin and uh, and Nemo in that scene. So, um, yeah. We've done cows, hens, fish. Um, I, I mean, pigs and, and sheep are also part of that, I think, as a main point. Do you want to touch on those a little bit? Um, well, I think well, let's talk a little bit about um, how how animal agriculture works on oh, this okay. planet because, like, it's um, we might have a field, especially an idea here in the UK. Like, you're often driving around the countryside, you see sheep in fields, mm. they look really happy, they've got loads of space to roam. So, we sometimes have this idea that surely the things that we've just described don't match up to what I see with my own eyes. Mm. But it, so I want to make the point that worldwide, 94% of the animals raised for food are on factory farms. So that it's not organic, lots of space to roam, etc. It's It's really um, some of the conditions I just outlined before. Uh, and on factory farming, no matter what the animal, whether it's... Um, uh, a pig or a cow or a sheep or a chicken or a turkey or whatever, these, there's a few things that are just common to all animals that happen on factory farming. So the first is selective breeding. So that means that the animals are going to be uh, bred to have the highest possible yields yields possible, um, which puts a you know, big strain on their bodies. Um, there's always overcrowding. There's always animals being forced into smaller and smaller spaces. And as the, as the world's demand for the, to keep prices low for meat and dairy, then farmers are kind of forced to get more animals into the same amount of space, which means more overcrowding. Because there's so much overcrowding, the animals can be quite violent to each other. So to try and reduce this, there's usually some sort of some form of mutilation. So um, tails might be docked on sheep. Uh, teeth. Uh, some pigs have um, their teeth ground down to stop them biting. Uh, the tips of chickens' uh, beaks are clipped to stop them pecking at each other. 
Um, and, and then we come on to slaughter, really. So in order to get to the slaughterhouse, the animals have to be transported. Um, and, and the conditions for transportation are usually pretty rough. They'll be crammed into uh, lorries, often for days at a time. They might not have really good access to fresh food or water. They might be dehydrated, depending on where they are. They might be, you know, really hot. You can imagine how traumatic that would be. Um, and then, and then slaughter. You know, it doesn't matter what the food is. So it could be, it could be meat, it could be milk, it could be cheese, it could be eggs. All the animals involved in those uh, products are going to be slaughtered before they reach their the end of their natural lifespan. Um, so yeah, that, it's it's bleak, really. It's mm. bleak to talk about. We try and make it as uh, you know energetic and, and enthusiastic as we can. Um, but, but these are the conditions that the animals are living in when we when we farm them for food. Yeah, I mean you're right. It, it is bleak to listen to, and um, I guess in our line of work we hear that a lot. Um, but I guess it's quite easy to not know that information because it's so well hidden by the various industries. It's not something that they want publicised at all. Um, so I'm f- fully of the belief that everyone deserves to know where their food's coming from, and they mm. can make a yeah. an informed decision from there. Um, I think moving on from that, because very, uh, very bleak, as we said, it's very sombre. Um, let's talk about our guest today. Yes, our guest is Alexis Gautier, uh, which I think is really exciting. He, so Alexis, Alexis Gautier, if you don't know him, is... A Michelin-starred French chef who went vegan in 2016. He has a London restaurant called uh, Gautier Soho uh, and it adopted a 100% vegan menu in 2021. And um, this year for Veganuary, Alexis is a Veganuary ambassador. Um, And I've got a quote from him here. He says, I'm a classically trained French chef who held Michelin stars for 12 years and thought of... And the thought of someone like me being vegan would have been insane five or ten years ago. But now the world is waking up. This is the future. So let's hear from Alexis. Okay, Alexis, thank you for joining us on the Veganuary podcast. Um, I'm going to start by asking you the question I ask everyone. Do you have a favourite vegan snack or even better, like a weird combo of foods that you just like to snack on through the day gosh there, there are so many you know I, I think that the list will be very long um but the, 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 there is one thing that i really like um, um the first one is um, the one i will snack on at home and uh, i would be really upset when there aren't anymore it's um some um, uh, um uh, lentils crisps okay. um <laughs> a toast in this um smoky salty oh it's just delicious i i love them i discovered them last year and i just cannot live without them uh, that's that's really my uh you know, when I'm at home and I finished my shift and uh, and I'm really hungry, I will have an entire packet. And it's really, de- and it's really delicious. Eating them on their own or are you dipping them in hummus? No, 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 I, I, I eat them on their own uh, yes. because they are just delicious, you know. And I do little... Um, I do little sandwiches of them, so I don't. I don't eat one by one. I, I eat four by four, <laughs> and I put them all in my mouth. I let I let them uh, dissolve 
Um, and that's uh, that's like a crispy sandwich of um, of crisp lentils. It's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. That sounds delicious. You're actually not the you're the second person that said lentil crisps in answer to that question. So that's <laughs> yeah, a good well, that's, tip. Uh, that's really that's really such a delicious. Um, you know, it's it's a re- reward for me. You know, yeah, good. It's like uh, it's like a, it's like a reward, and I love them. I absolutely love them. Great. Well, I think we're going to be talking about food a lot over the course of this interview. So oh, yes. pro- we're probably both going to go away hungry. Um, but I'd love <laughs> to know, um, to take you right back to your uh, where you started your relationship with food. So um, what kind of food did you eat growing up? And, and, you know, is there anything that kind of you feel might be inspired you to become a chef in life, later life? Well, I'm, I'm very lucky because I... I I, I, I come from south of France. South of France is really the, the, the part of France where um, all the fruits and vegetables are, 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 you know, being grown for the rest of France, really. And so, you know, all year long, there is there is uh, there are fruit and vegetables following the seasons. And, um, and really, I mean, my natural diet was really, really, really rooted in um, in vegetables. Mm. I mean, aubergine, tomato, courgettes are really the staple of the uh, south of France uh, cooking. So, you know, I will I will be very hungry coming back from school, and I will be served um, an aubergine stew at home, which you know, for a lot of children in this country, <laughs> will sound like hell. <laughs> but 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 for me, it was it was amazing you know um it will be like this 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 delicious um, provencal stew with lots of onions and uh, and aubergines and uh, tomato and maybe there will be some basil leaves and and we will eat that with rice or on bread and that will just be you know like being served french fries <laughs> for a lot of kids now um but this is where the, the the love came but of course you know i i you know we, we were we were we were fed with um with animal products mm-hmm. um a lot and especially my my mother will do every day for lunch and this is this is when i think back now you know oh my gosh i can't believe i was eating that but she was she was selling me a steak of horse Wow, every okay, day, yeah. um, every day. I mean, every day. That's 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 what I will have had for lunch. Mm. I would come back from school and have this whole steak because she believed that um, it was it was important for me to have. Um, I don't know some kind of horse meat. There was no beef or pork or you know okay. lamb. It was horse okay. meat, and religiously, I will have that every day, and. Um, and yeah, so that's that's the other kind of food um, I, I was eating. Thinking uh, mm. back, um, I don't know if um, I mean it's obviously it's bad for the animals. Mm. I'm not sure it was that bad for me, mm. um, but I will not recommend it anymore. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> you know, usually you recommend what your mother was giving you when you were young, but not on this instance. I'm afraid. I mean, but the aubergine and tomato stew and sounds really good. I'm quite a recent convert to aubergine. It's taken me a little while to uh, oh learn to gosh. love aubergine. Aubergine is a king of vegetables, mm. or, 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 or the queen, as a matter of fact, because uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a feminine, you know. It's you know, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay. But um, but it's it's so delicious, and you know, you can. I mean, I, recently we we. 
we, we developed even pastry based with uh, with aubergine because oh, wow. it's got such a unctuous and um, and 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 rich texture yeah. that is actually perfect as a substitute for you know say cream or things like that in in pastry and it doesn't bring a lot of um, it, it doesn't alter the, the 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 flavor of things it's uh, it's paired with so it's it's a really wonderful um, ingredients and you can grill it uh, you can roast it you can marinate it you can uh, i mean the only thing you can't do is, is eat it raw mm. but um Everything else, you can eat the skin, you can eat the inside, you know, you can make a dip. Uh, it's it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. And the, the depth of flavor in aubergine, oh, good grief. Just thinking about it, I want to, I want to eat it. It's a beautiful, I think it's a beautiful thing to look at as well, the aubergine. It's such Absolutely. a handsome vegetable. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's heavy and it's, um, you know, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's um, it's perfect. You're right. It's mm. absolutely perfect. It's a uh, it's a perfect ingredient for me. And let's come on to how are you, to you becoming a chef. So um, I, I, I'm interested. Really, we we hear about Michelin star cooking, um, but maybe we don't always know exactly what that means. I wonder if you could define what the characteristics are of Michelin star cooking, and maybe talk a little bit about your training and background as well. Yeah, I mean, my background is, um, the, you know, it's very similar to a lot of uh, young chefs. So when I started, um, I was, um, you know, uh, you know, let's say I was, I was um, passionate about um, about cooking, and uh, I wanted to become, you know, um, a great chef. Um, I wanted to have um, a restaurant with Michelin mm-hmm. stars, and uh, and therefore I followed the path that a lot of French chefs, uh, you know, uh, international chefs, you know, from everywhere uh, follow. Which means that I went to a hotel school, and from that I went to work in um, in in, in Michelin star restaurants in south of France, you know, near where I was growing up, and when I, I did my hotel school, and um, and I ended up uh, in in Monte Carlo. In Monaco, and working mm-hmm. with a very famous French chef called um, Alain Ducasse, mm-hmm. who had the three Michelin stars in his restaurant. And for me, that was like you know, if, if you're a priest and you and you work alongside the Pope, you know, of course you you yeah. you want to um, you want to learn as much as possible. And this is exactly the kind of uh, the chef I wanted to to become. Um, but funny enough, uh, Alain Ducasse in uh, in in Monaco was really the first, you know, like three, three Michelin star chef who cooked a lot of vegetables. Mm-hmm. And so subconsciously, um, uh, I was being taught a new way of, uh, a new way of French cooking slightly away from the, um, the, 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 the animal, all animal recipes that the French mm-hmm. gastronomy is all about. Mm-hmm. Because it reflected the south of France, it involved a lot of vegetables, and so it it started to open my mind on vegetables, in a in a gastronomic sense of um, of things, and then and then I I, I and then I I, I, I traveled. I, I worked in San Francisco as a private chef for a family who were very fortunate to have a farm, and again. Um, um, I could go and choose and pick my vegetables and then I will cook for the family. And then I came back to London. I came to London and I opened my first restaurant. And when I started to um, design menu, I put vegetables really at the, at the center of the, uh, of the menus, but it was very much, um, you know, 
French based, so there was also mm. alongside vegetables a lot of um, a lot of animals. Sadly, uh, a lot of mm. beef and I don't know, sea bass and lamb and foie gras and uh, and that's that's really what make the, uh, the, the 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 all those ingredients together on a menu that that one makes uh, French gastronomy and um, and I you know I got my f- first Michelin star when I was twenty five and uh, and then I, I carry on. Um, but you know that that's that's where I came from, and uh, so so for me, gastronomy meant um, meant you know having animals. French gastronomy meant having animals on my menu. I didn't know mm-hmm. how wrong I was then, mm-hmm. um, but hey, that was it. That was the past. <laughs> but that, so then, at some point, you you made a switch. You decided it wasn't right to serve to to eat animals anymore. So what what changed? Was there something that triggered it in particular? Well, there there was many things that um, that 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 helped me, um, you know, making the switch and changing my mind. Um, but the, I mean, the, the first thing that um, that happened to my restaurant is having uh, protesters outside <laughs> outside um, the restaurant who were against me serving foie gras. Right. And I mean, that was ten years ago. But mm. of course, they were so right, mm. and um, and you know, I was obviously you know kind of upset with them because they were mm. uh, they were um, they were having an effect on my business. But then, rather than fighting against them, I listened to what they had to say, and I said, "Well, you know what? You, you, you're probably right. You know, I, I haven't thought about that because obviously my training and the, and the way I came from, you know, the French gastronomy, fragra was an ingredient that we used to express our." Of Frenchness and our creativity, mm-hmm. but wasn't an ingredient that um, uh, I put very much thought into it, especially the uh, the impact it had on the uh, on the animal itself. Anyway, so I, I, I did, and I decided immediately to um, to remove um, to remove uh, the foie gras from all my menus. So that was the first step. Mm-hmm. And after that, I started to look into the um, um, obviously animal welfare and the impact. You know, yeah, my job I had on the on animals in general, and um, I read a lot of books, and um, and I read one in particular, which is called Antispeciste. So it's it's a French book, and it's um, it's about obviously um, speciesism and, and the relationship we have us human with uh, with animals. Yeah. And when I finished the book, I said, with what I've learned in this book and what I've, what I know now from this book. I mean, of course, I can't carry on profiting from you know death of people, you know, of mm-hmm. animals who, mm-hmm. of course, do not want to die. And and from that day, I um, I became uh, a vegan, and I never looked back. And um, and from that day, I said, we are going to transform my restaurant into an all animal. <laughs> French gastronomic restaurant into um, Amazing. Um, a no more animal product ever uh, French gastronomic restaurant. So that that was the the, the beginning of a, of a new journey. And uh, and I said to my chef and to my employees and some of my customers, this is like discovering a new planet. It's 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 phenomenal. Um, the, the 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 chances that I felt I've had uh, to to make this step and to and to rewrite, as far as I'm concerned, um, French gastronomy free of death. Amazing! It's uh, it's great that you 
heard the protesters, as you said, and obviously you said at first you were a bit affronted, but then you thought, well, maybe there's something to listen to here because how many of us, it's human nature, isn't it, to be confronted something like that and just rail against it completely and not listen at all. So I think it's really admirable that you kind of yeah, um, well, saw that, that as a, that, a moment to listen. That was, uh, that was, um, that was hard to, mm. um, um, you know, to engage. Um, it was hard to listen and to reflect and to, um, and to rather than obviously I was feeling extremely, um, uh, guilty. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it would have been the easy way to just, uh, say, whoa, 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 you know, is, this is my job and, uh, and, um, this is how I've been taught and, uh, I can't change anything really as a human, you know, I only have one life, um, I, I know, I, I knew that looking back, you know, in 30 years, not having made those decisions when, 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 when the light was switched on, you know, on that, uh, uh, I, I think it would have been very difficult to uh, look at myself in a mirror and say, yes, uh, I've, I've done the right thing, uh, you know, along, along the way. That was, I mean, as as a human, <laughs> with just uh, you know, you know, very tiny time on this planet, um, I I couldn't just ignore it. That would have been uh, that would have been stupid and, uh, and 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 not good as far as I'm concerned. But in transitioning, there must have been a lot of challenges along the way, I guess, because you've got a whole team of people working at the restaurant. You've got critics to satisfy you've got customers to satisfy so what what was the what was it like to transition what was that experience like well, of course it was uh, it was a massive risk economically it was a risk because a uh, very successful restaurant and um i had some you know very well paid employees mm-hmm. and um and uh, and if you if you if you were the pure businessman you would have looked at the business you would have say hey what are you doing? You know, why, why will you destroy this, um, perfectly, you know, um, healthy business just because, you know, you think, but I, I thought it was so much more important than that. So much more important because not only I saw the fact that I could actually, you know, I mean, I wasn't trying to give a sense, you know, new, new, you know, it's not like a midlife crisis. It's like, it's like, um, it's like, uh, being, being enlightened with something which is so rational that going against it, once you know about it, will have been a torture for the rest of my life. And I just didn't want to to go through that. So I was ready to, and in another, the other thing is, I thought, if it happens to me, what I know now, Mm. what I didn't know in the past, a lot of people of my age or my generation will go through the same, um, Mm. the same process. A lot of people will, being enlightened, just like me, because now it's fact, you know, like you, you take the, um, uh, 2014, um, uh, 2012, uh, um, uh, Cambridge declaration of, of yeah. consciousness that, you know, scientifically, you know, once and for all state that, you know, there is consciousness in animals, you know, they are well aware of, they want to live, they want to love, they want to, they don't want to die. Yeah. And, and, and now we, we can't say, oh, well, don't worry, the animals, you know, animals, robots, animals. No, uh, no, 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 we know that. So if I know that, 
a lot of people will know that. So I, I assume that a lot of people will be looking for the kind of product, you know, in a business sense of way, um, uh, uh, that, that, uh, that, that will be creating. And as a chef going through, you know, my professional life, I think reaching, you know, halfway through my, my career, being able to, um, to, 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 to change and to rewrite the future of, uh, of French gastronomy. It's also something that I felt was, uh, um, a, a wonderful challenge. And obviously mm. I was really excited to take it. So yes, my, 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 my employees, some of them, you know, have kids and, you know, family and, uh, you know, they said, well, what are you doing? Are you trying to, are you trying to solve? <laughs> are you going to, are you, are we going to go bankrupt because, um, nobody will come back to restaurants. So I had to convince them to, 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 to believe me and to believe in the, in the, in the message and to believe in, um, and while I was doing it, and it was uh, it was uh, it was uh, the right thing to do, and um, so I had to I had to I had to do a lot of talking, and my my old customers too, you know, a lot of them decided that they didn't want to follow me in my um, kind of new venture. That's what they call it, um, and they left. But mm-hmm. look, I've lost ten, I won thousand. Oh, really? So, Amazing. So that, that, that was a good thing. I was right. There was a lot of people who, um, who, who were living, were going through the same kind of, um, dilemma that mm. I was, I was going, but those people, they still wanted to go to have a nice meal. They still wanted to be served by knowledgeable people. They still wanted to eat the creativity of a chef. They still wanted to eat with, I don't know, silver knives and forks and drinking delicious wine in a crystal glass and, uh, and having the experience, um, um, uh, animal free. And, and that was, that was a product that people wanted and that's why it became so successful and we are so much more successful now than we were in the past and i will and i will i will i will urge other chefs to to do what i did not to be scared uh to there is no risk to take there are thousands and thousands of potential customers out there who are just um wanting to 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 have a a delightful uh, plant-based meal and do you have your peers, other chefs, coming to you and asking about introducing more plant-based dishes to their their menus? Do you have other people interested in this? Um, well, not really other chefs because a lot of other chefs are are developing, you know, great, um, you know, vegan um, mm. vegan menus. And and in London, for example, there is Jason Atterton, who is doing a fantastic uh, vegan tasting menu. And there is a Pietater as well, who is, um, who is doing... So um, uh, they, 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 they all can create delicious, um, uh, you know, plant-based um, creative dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't need me to, to, yeah, to help yeah, them... Okay. Uh, uh, Hopefully they listen to the message um, that I'm trying to, um, you know, tell the world, which is stop, stop using, you know, animals in your in your recipes because we we are much better than that. We don't need to um, to inflict death to someone who didn't want to die and to end up in a plate. I, I wouldn't want to end up in a plate, and so I don't want to inflict it to anyone else. That's uh, sounds like a uh, naive message, but it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, 
it's a simple and very clear message. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the simplest things are the truest, I guess. Um, yes. So what's the, what's the experience like of eat, eating at the restaurant? Because I understand that it's it's more than just food, really. It's like a whole experience. So, yeah, could you describe it? Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's all experience and it's um, it's very French, very gastronomic uh, in a sense that, um, as I said before, you know, we, we've got sommeliers, so one waiters, and we have a maitre d', you know, with a bow tie and uh, and we have big menus, you know, to hold, big wine list to hold. And the table is all, um, um, you know, um, very beautifully laid. And uh, you've got a lot of space, you know, round tables, almost for everyone. So that's that's the first thing that a French gastronomic restaurant is all about. And then it's, uh, we follow the season. So it's creative skills following the season. So we are in UK, for example, now in winter, it's very much like root vegetables and the, what we do with it. And then we try to create some sort of uh, a bit of magic, you know, around, uh, around the ingredients. So we try to transform ingredients. So surprise the guest and also combination of flavors, combination of texture. That's what a wonderful gastronomic experience is all about. Mm. Um, and it's many dishes on tasting menu. We've got 10 different dishes and from the bread, which is the first thing you're going to get until the petit four, which are the little sweet things when you leave, everything has to be refined, um, um, perfectly balanced and, and reflect the season. Um, and that's, that's what the, the experience is all about and being served by, as I said, knowledgeable mm -hmm. people who mm -hmm. are old you know, they, they all love what they are doing. They are all vegan. So they can, you know, they, 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 they portray our message to the table. They come almost with a cross and they plant in the middle of the table and, and, they, and they tell the story. They, 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 they tell, they tell our customers why we are doing what we are doing and um, what we are trying to achieve. And we want our customers to feel the love that we put into what we are doing. So they, they can really feel like it's a, it's, it's a labor of love. You know, it's like, um, we just don't do it like robots. We do it because we really believe in it. Amazing. Uh, that sounds so great. I love, I love the jaguar. And to be fair for us, we don't feel like we are working when we are doing what we are doing. Brilliant. We are, we are, we are just, it's, it's a sort of expression. We are expressing what we, what we believe. We really feel like we are part of something because, um, you know, until, until, until animals have, 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 have been removed until, until, um, you know, animal agriculture is, is gone and, 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 and finished forever. Our journey is, is we have to be on this journey. We have to make a difference and we make a difference one table at a time one dishes at a time and one uh, one interview at a time, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I suppose you've kind of touched on it all the way through the interview, but, <clears throat> excuse me, in my introduction, I, I, I read out a quote from you which where you said that, that this is the future of food. Um, I just wondered if you could elaborate on that a little bit. Why do you think this is the future? Well, um, it's, it's the future of food because... I have um, a face in um, uh, the human race in a sense that, you know, what happened to me and what happened to you and to a lot of people every day 
uh, is um, the recognition that obviously, you know, we are much better than inflicting death uh, to feed ourselves. We, we now know that we do not need to eat, uh, you know, uh, animals. And as a matter of fact, we don't need to wear animals either. Mm. You know, we, we don't need to, to profit from them. Um, what we need to do is to share this, this very fragile planet with them and to restore the ecosystem that we are supposed to, uh, to, 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 to live with. And, um, and at the end of it, um, that's, that's, that, I mean, I've got faith and I think that, you know, I think my generation is a traditional generation, but, you know, in 50 years time, I've got no doubt that no one will want to be fed by death. As simple as that. So do you, I mean, that would be impossible to uh, mm. to imagine that. Um, I mean, people, children will question, "What is this things? Is it is it is it someone who was? Is this piece of meat used to be attached to a heart beating? Is this piece of meat used to be attached to a brain that wanted to love and look after their babies? Or I don't know. It, that that will be impossible for future generation to 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 absorb this, uh, this, this meat, to consume this meat, mm. uh, knowing that. And I, I, and I know it's going to happen mm. and I know it's going to happen. So the ingenuity of the human being and the work of chefs like me will, will hopefully have transformed, um, um, the entire food around the world. And there will be absolutely no animal product anywhere. And it's already happening. You know, I can see that, uh, you know, like, um, a plant-based butter is, you know, as good as, as butter, you know, plant-based milk or milk substitute is as good, if not better. Um, uh, you, you can, I mean, I'm the perfect example. You can do a gastronomic, uh, uh, meal, you know, without any, any animals. You can have the flavor of the, of the fee or the sea without eating, um, uh, the fish, obviously. So, uh, you have the, f you can have the flavor of the land without eating the people who actually live on the land, you know? Mm. So it's, it's no problem. Uh, we are going to come up with the most delicious, you know, recipes mm. and we are going to forget, forget that we used to, um, we, we used to eat animals and in 50 years time, it's going to, well, people, new generation are going to believe us when we are going to tell them we used to eat animals. And I've got, I'm certain of that. I am certain of that. We've lived through a time, I think, where the scales have really fallen from people's eyes on this issue. And enough people that this has started to really um, uh, snowball. And, and so it's, re it's really inspiring. You articulated so well. It's really inspiring oh, thank you. to hear you speak about the idea of hope for the future. Uh, it certainly feels very inspiring to me. Oh, thank um, you. But I, I, I do think that um, we, we, we you know, we are old hardwired to think that, um, you know, we, we like animal product and we need animal product. This is this hardwired thing that is so difficult to remove from, uh, from the majority of people, because, you know, for some reason you, you, you know, you look at a piece of chicken, you, you're not, you don't connect the dots. Yeah. You know, if you see it, if you see a beautiful chicken running around, and you see a, a chicken breast on your plate, you very rarely, or mm. I do, but a lot of people do not connect the dots. So it's, it's, it's so important that we can help people connecting the dots. Mm. And then of course, you know, humans, I don't think we are, we are not killers naturally. Mm. We are not, uh, we are gentle, 
<laughs> we are a gentle race. I know it sounds a bit strange, but I think I think originally we were a gentle, um, a gentle race, and there is absolutely no reason why we can't. Um, I think the more developed, intelligent, and everything, we will we will just animals will be will be our friends, and we will be looking after them more than uh, than eating them, obviously. Um, I'd love to talk a bit about Veganuary uh, because you are an, um, a Veganuary ambassador. We're really thrilled to have you on board. I'm very proud of it. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, good. <laughs> um, just interested when you first heard about Veganuary um, and, what, and what made you want to work with us, really. Well, many years ago when Veganuary started, I thought that was absolutely a, a wonderful idea because... Um, obviously the name and the start of the year and we know that everybody has got the, you know a good um you know you're going to start the year and you're going to make a, a lot of good um, plan for the year and and it was a perfect opportunity for everyone to think that okay maybe you know uh this is going to be the month and to be fair I've, I've told people in the past you know you don't you know i i know how hard it is to change the way you eat you don't have to be you know, of course, I want you to be vegan every day. But you know, if if it has to be taken step by step, you can be vegan on Monday. Yeah. You can be vegan uh, uh, every day for lunch. You can be vegan, and <laughs> even better, you can start the year and see whether you like. It. And veganuary is just natural, I think, for people, and that's why it's so successful. It's because it's uh, it's an act that uh, has an impact, obviously, on 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 other people living with us on the planet, but also on yourself. Mm. Um, and I think um, you know. People are more, uh, you know, enticed to the new thing at beginning of the year. So I think that was a, a you know, a, a wonderful thing, a wonderful creation. And that's why I'm, you know, I've been behind for many years. And and this year I'm so proud to be uh, one of the ambassador. And uh, I will talk to everyone <laughs> about it. And I will try to convince as many people to to enroll and to and to not be scared. And not only in UK because I know it's 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 uh, in France, um, it's in Germany, it's in Spain, and it's, uh, it's so many uh, different countries. So it's um, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's taking about. Yeah, I love what you say about um, not everyone's ready to just switch to a vegan diet or, uh, overnight, and um, that's that's why I think veganery is so so great for people because you can dip your toes in for a month and then a lot of people maybe don't switch to vegan straight away, but they keep a lot of the things they've learned in that month with, with and, them. And, and and the other thing is, um, it 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 helps businesses to um, to, um, to 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 start maybe something new. Mm. Uh, it allows them to um, to to propose new dishes. Like chefs, they can start being a lot more creative in uh, in January because of veganuary. This is something that uh, they can do. But not only chefs, you know, um, retails um, um, very much focused on the on, on vegan products in, in January because of uh, because of the campaign of veganuary. So I think it's um, it's it's like a Kickstarter for not only the people who are going to try become vegan or try for one month, but also for chef creators to start new things for retailers, to try to see whether there is a, you know, if they are not sure, well, why don't you try during January, you know? And, uh, and I think it's, um, it's like, you know, a kickstart of a movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the start of the year, you know, I can't think of a better thing to do really. Great. Um, so just thinking of the people who are taking part in the January, 
they're not all going to have had the training that you've had, but they will be wanting to cook themselves some vegan meals. So I just wondered if you had any real practical tips for cooking when people are first um, trying out plant-based meals. Yeah, I mean, the good, the good news is in uh, 2023, in January 2023, um, um, LSM, more and more um, retailers, more and more restaurants um, are going are gonna to go into it and are going to really make an effort to entice you to, you know, eat plant-based. And so, you know, from supermarket shelves, I mean, now there is so many things that you can have, so many, for example, substitutes. I mean, a lot of people, they think that... Um, I mean, they don't want to. They don't want to become vegan by eating uh, uh, tofu and uh, and and cos lettuce. No, 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 no. You don't. You don't have to, because they are the exact items that you used to eat, which were animal based, which now are plant based. Mm. I mean, something as simple as uh, as the Cumberland sausage. I mean, I think the Cumberland sausages are better plant based than what I can remember yeah. as uh, <laughs> as animal based. I mean, it's as simple as that. Mince meat, mince meat for your spaghetti bolo, for your uh, your your I don't know your shepherd's pie. It's it's the same. It's as easy to cook. It's actually moisture when it's not mm. animal based. You know mm. the 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 plant based uh, uh, alternative mince meats has got to retain the juice so much more and it's so much better in your in your mouth than animal based. So. Do not be scared. You can carry on doing the same kind of recipes by using alternative um, to animal product. So, that, yeah, and this this, this involves uh, uh, so many different kind of product. You know, from pizza, quiche, um, sausages, um, chicken alternatives. Um, I mean, I I I started like that with my kids, for example. I mean, my son loves um, Mexican food, and I started to do all the recipe in the past we used to do with animals. Using uh, alternative um, um, uh, animal protein, which is not animal protein, but f- fake animal protein, yeah, sure. and it, it just it just the transition was natural. Actually, v- more than often, he would say, "Oh, that's that's so much more. It's not as dry as the one you used to do with uh, with with chicken." Oh, of course, it's not because it's it's plant based. It's so much more lighter, and uh, so I I, I would say that. Do not be scared to carry on eating what you like, but use the alternative um, alternative product, or you know go for the uh, go for the uh, be creative for one month. You know, mm-hmm. try anything. Um, you know, you know, go and um, go and discover the cuisine of the world because also the uh, the plant based is not only. Um, I mean, I do French gastronomy, but as becoming a vegan, I discovered you know flavors. From around the world, mm. um, talking about like um, Indian food, um, Southeastern food. I mean, uh, Vietnamese, Thai, Chinese. It's ninety percent is mm. plant based. <laughs> so, it, they, they, for hundreds of years, they have created delicious recipes, which involves only um, the fruit and vegetables. And I can assure you, it's so delicious. So that's it's an opportunity to go and discover. Um, some others, some other cuisine, and um, and once again, I, I know that um, uh, retailers um, are making a lot of effort um, to, to 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 offer this range of a plant-based product. And one in particular, I, I, I know I should, maybe I should not mention, but when I when I go to Tesco, 
um, I see the amount of 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 you know of effort they do to offer you know like um, um, lines and lines of uh, plant-based product. You you can eat for a month. You know, without eating the same thing again, yeah. it's uh, it's 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 really wonderful. So it's easy and it's not more expensive than if anything is cheaper than uh, obviously animal product. Yeah, I, I mean, really great tips. I, and as you were saying, the, um, the retailers really get on board with veganuary, and and so often you'll see a lot more vegan products in the shops during January. Absolutely. Than you might the rest of the year, so that's a really good chance to find out what you like, yeah. <laughs> and then you can go and find it. Once it's not on the shelves of the supermarkets, you can find it online or whatever. That's um, quite quite a, a useful thing and, to do. And, and, um, and I would say that um, um, I, I found that um, I mean, obviously, I was excited, but if you are if you are cooking for children, I found my children so amazed to to have alternatives that taste. Obviously, mm. plant-based alternatives that that taste as good, if not better, mm. than what they they are known in the in, in the animal um, in the animal product, and that's so exciting. I think for for kids, and, and that's really 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 excited, mm. and uh, and that's novelty that um, you you introduce it to them, and they might actually embrace it and and stick to it. So, if you are trying to um, if you are trying to cook for children, it's they they would love it. They will love the the fun of uh, not having chicken, but having something that tastes like chicken, and uh, I, I and they, they find it uh, amazing. And what a great way to start a conversation with them as well. Like uh, lots of people ask us about how should I talk to children about this. That that's a great way in, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. Um, we've talked about aubergine, uh, but I wanted to ask you if you had a specific plant or ingredient that you just love to cook with that you would just champion just one specific ingredient you mean other than aubergine other than aubergine <laughs> <laughs> or say aubergine again if you like <laughs> no 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 no. i mean obviously aubergine is the um uh, it's the star the star the star the star of my of my of my kitchen but there are so many others um leeks for example I mean, I love leeks. Yeah, um, I, 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 I love leeks and, uh, you know, all sorts of things. I, I roll leeks in puff pastry with mustard and I cook it and I eat it as a, as a sandwich. That's super easy to do. I mean, obviously you need to boil the, the, the leeks before I don't put the, the raw leeks. <laughs> um, but I love that. I love, um, uh, braised leeks with, uh, with, uh, with a French dressing. I just love that, and sometimes I put a grain mustard and uh, and olive oil, and just um, and just um, cooked uh, um, leeks. It can be cold. I love it cold as well. I've got a special, uh, <laughs> uh, but that's that's one of the um, other than aubergine. That's one of the um, uh, vegetables that I, I couldn't live without. But it might not everybody's cup of tea. I know people say, "Oof, I I, I don't like leeks," but you know, for me, it's uh, it's one of the best. And I love grains as well. And I love lentils. Um, I love uh, lentils-based soup. I love um, lentil stew. I think, and and the good the good thing with lentils is, um, as I'm a chef, I have to be very careful to look after. I put on weight very easily, and I found that <laughs> um, lentils. You know, make you last forever. Mm. I mean, a delicious bowl of lentils with uh, with with, uh, with 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 bit of vegetables inside uh, for lunch. You are not hungry until very, very, very late during the day. 
and this is the beauty of lentils. Um, it, it tends to linger into your body for for hours, and I just and I just love it. I absolutely love it. So it's it's good for me, good for my line, <laughs> and, and and the flavor is delicious. That's amazing. I love leeks as well. We I mean we talked right at the top of the interview about falling in love with food because your parents cook it for you over. And my yes. mum used to cook leeks all the time, and now yeah, I've loved oh, them ever nice. since. I was and now you can't live without. Exactly, yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. Um, I think that what we are fed when we are young with, you know, stays forever. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, you, when you're hungry and you have something delicious, next time you're hungry, you want the same thing because it 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 was delicious. Uh, I've got a couple of slightly silly questions to ask Go you ahead. to finish. I just wondered if any, if you can think of the most ridiculous thing that anyone's ever said to you about veganism, if there's anything that sticks out. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, I will not. Uh, I mean, a lot, obviously, you know, the thing that comes back to um, a, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of vegan, like, you know, oh, you're vegan, but do you eat fish? For example, that's um, that's one of the things that uh, comes back. Um, uh, the other thing is, uh, oh, you're vegan, but where do you get your your protein from? Mm, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, of course, you know. I think it's uh, for a lot of people. It's 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 very strange because, as I said, we have been hardwired mm. with thinking that uh, we need to eat uh, animals since the day we 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 were born. So yeah, I hear a lot of uh, you know. Not it's not stupid. It's just naive. It's just yeah. silly. Uh, you know, and um, yeah, and also the thing that comes back to me is yeah. Well, you know, the law of nature and uh, the lions and the gazelle and uh, you know. I, I, I don't know. That's um, that's what I hear sometimes, but you know I don't I'm, I, I don't I, I don't mind because I I know people they say that because they haven't they haven't yet had the spot light on their um, on at the right place of their brain so they perhaps still in the dark they haven't had the light bulb moment no they they haven't had it but i know the day they do they they feel really bad about the kind of things they said in the past and we say ah, don't worry don't worry don't worry we all did that you know we all did that so that's no problem but they, yeah that's that would be the the few things stupid that um, that i've heard and uh, does any do people ever make assumptions about you because you're a vegan that just couldn't be any further from the truth uh, that's uh, that's 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 uh, that's a good one. Um, uh, I, I'm 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 not sure. I am a competitive tennis player, <laughs> and I think that I'm always worried that uh, if I tell uh, my opponent that uh, I am vegan, they are going to think they can beat me easily. Which is not the case, obviously. But I don't give them this, uh, this uh, because usually, you know, I mean, I know there are a lot of sportsmen who, who are vegan and some very successful ones, especially in tennis, because uh, Djokovic is Djokovic, vegan. Yeah. Um, but but for some reasons, um, I, I don't tell my opponents. I don't know why. I think they will have a, I don't know, psychological, uh, you know, they will take the, will be better than me. I don't know. They will think yeah, I'm good. Does any part of you feel like you want to prove something because you're vegan? You want to 
does that does that give you any extra um, fire to compete? Because I know lots of people that do running and cycling who are vegans, and they feel like they want to prove something. They want to get that extra great time just to show that a vegan can. I, I, I to 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 themselves. Perhaps. Mm. Oh, well, I think uh, to themselves and to yeah, others. To themselves, perhaps, yeah, to themselves. Yes, of course. You know, the the it's it's such. A, uh, I mean, it's such a, a change in your in your life to 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 not being fed by animal product. That I think we somehow we get affected by what we read or what people tell us that is probably not good for you. You need some. T- I mean, my doctor, for example. You know, many years ago, when I told her that um, I've decided to become vegan, she she was she was the first thing she told me. She said, um, uh, "There is nowhere on earth uh, that people who are vegan live longer than non-vegan." That's the first thing she told me. So I was like, "Wow!" And then she said, "Oh, you're going to have a B12 deficiency, and you're I'm going to have to give you some supplement, and, uh, and that really is not the right thing to do." And she was and and for someone who came from the medical uh, mm. world, so. There are two schools here, you know, you hear a lot of, like my doctors who say that, and yet on the other hand, you hear a lot of people who say, of course, it's the best thing you will. So you, you, and you, you are in the middle. So mm. you are, you want to prove, you know, to yourself that it was the right thing to do. And I think this is where you try to go, you know, beyond, um, mm. uh, but on the other hand, you know, you can, you can be very unhealthy by being vegan and you you can be very healthy by being a non-vegan. So I don't think it's, uh, it matters. For me, it's for the animals. Mm. You know, I, I yeah. do it, I, I do it because I don't want to inflict death. I don't want to profit from death. And, uh, and I want to leave the animals alone. And if they need to be protected, we'll protect them, but that's it. Uh, um, and hopefully the day I die, you know, I will see, you know, I will see a world which is a lot more, um, um, respectable towards, um, animals. So that's, that's really, is, I mean, after me, it's, uh, it's we'll see, but uh, if I can bring something to the, to the thing, that's, that's my journey. I think that's a really good note to leave it on. Um, do, do you want to tell people how they can find out more about you and t- tell people where they can find the restaurant and things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, obviously you can, uh, you can come to my restaurant in Soho, which is called Gautier Soho. It's, it's a wonderful French gastronomic restaurant, but you can also have um, a, a much simpler and, uh, and family-like uh, version of uh, my restaurant. If you go to, Another restaurant I have in London called One Two Three V. So it's really the basics of vegan food, where you will have all the delicious things. When you are vegan, you don't want to live without, which is sushi. We do a, some amazing plant-based sushis that taste better than if they if there was fish, and um, and we do all sorts of delicious um, uh, burgers and alternative salads, and it's it's really delicious. So One Two Three V for the casual and Gautier so obviously in Soho for the French gastronomic experience. Amazing. Right, Alexis, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for having me. Ah, great stuff. So moving on, um, we've talked about why people might go vegan for their animals. Yeah. Um, Another big reason that we hear, um, and and I think globally is a reason why people go vegan, is the environment. Yeah. But I think it's difficult to put two and two together with how being vegan can change the environment. So, Stu, I'd love for you to explain a little bit about how how does being vegan actually help the environment? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously we're living in the middle of a climate crisis. Um, so uh, everyone wants to be thinking about how we can personally make a difference to our own um, footprint and also how we can put pressure on the big companies and the governments to um, make changes uh, to their climate policy. And I think that eating vegan does both of those things you know if we can show the world that there is a real demand for a change in the way that we're producing foods then um we can start to have a really good effect on the environment um so there's kind of four points around the environment i i think four main points and they are greenhouse gases land use water use and uh, what we call eutrophication which is kind of like water pollution um so when it comes to greenhouse gases, um, green like it, switching to a plant-based diet is one of the most effective ways that you can reduce your um, greenhouse gas footprint. Uh, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization has said that animal agriculture contributes as much damaging greenhouse gases as the direct emissions from every car, truck, train and plane on the planet. Um, and you might wonder why, but there are just so many processes in bringing meat and dairy to the plate uh, and all of them have uh, 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 emissions. Um, so uh, if you think about um, all the fuel that's needed to power all the machinery, to drive all the vehicles that are going to transport the meat and dairy, um, things like producing fertiliser, um, producing animal feed. But the absolute biggest portion of the emissions comes from the animals themselves, so from their burps and their farts and from manure breaking down. And this produces methane, and methane is much more potent at trapping uh, heat than um, carbon dioxide is. Uh, so that, that's a big portion uh, of why... Um, Animal agriculture contributes so many greenhouse gases to the atmosphere. Um, and then if we come into land use, because this is very much linked, because obviously wild lands like rainforests and uh, hedgerows and bogs, they all play a role in absorbing CO2 from our atmosphere. So the more that we lo lose wild land, the less good the planet is going to be at absorbing um the co2 that we produce um and animal agriculture uses land really inefficiently so of all the agricultural land that we use 70 percent 77 percent of it is used for livestock so that includes their grazing includes where they live it also includes growing the feed for those animals and then just 23 percent um of that is used to grow crops that humans consume but the world's calorie consumption only 17 percent of the world's calorie com consumption comes from that meat and dairy whereas 83 percent comes from that those crops so you're using 77 percent of the world's agricultural land to supply just 70 17 percent of the world's uh, calories, uh, which is just madly inefficient, and and we're losing so many, uh, so much important wild land, which is animals for, uh, which is habitat for animals like orangutans, um, hedgehogs. You know, these are all animals that are facing uh, extinction, um, and scientists talk about how we're in the midst of a a a, a, a sixth. Um, extinction uh event really so we're, we're 
over the next few years we're going to see many of animals that we many of the animals that we consider really precious um that we won't be able we won't be able to see them or find them in the, in the planet anymore which is tragic um and then we come to water use. I mean, animal agriculture uses so much more water than growing plants because of, uh, you know, similar to all the greenhouse gas, gas emissions, there's all those processes involved. So cleaning the animals, watering the animals, cleaning where they live, growing crops. Uh, if you cut all those things out, then you're going to save so much water. And then the last point is, is eutrophication. So um, uh, the animals poop and and also a lot of the fertilizers that we use to grow their feed um it it runs into the soil and then it runs off into the rivers so it creates kind of water pollution this creates these kind of algal blooms so you might you might notice sometimes you see you know the surface of a river or a body of water looking very green this sucks all the oxygen out of the water and then the animals that live in the water are, are under danger. The fishes die and then that means that the kingfishers or, or the otters have nothing to eat. So it, it, it's really bad for the environment as well. So those four, you can make a huge difference to, um, to, 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 to those four footprints, if you like, the gas footprint, the land footprint the water footprint and the pollution footprint mm. if you switch to a plant-based diet. Yeah, it's it's almost inconceivable how many knock-on effects there are just from, you know, those few actions that we as humans take in, in farming. So, um, yeah, really, really interesting stuff. There's There are lots of um, extra places you can go for more kind of reading on, on this. We won't go into too much detail. Um, there's loads of information on our website, veganuary.com. Um, there's a little bit you touch on it a little bit in the email series don't you um yeah. that you get when you sign up um to try veganuary um with us a resource i would heartily recommend is a website called our world in data um which sets uh, it's where we take a lot of the stats from our emails for and it sets out a lot of this stuff it's really really clear and it's really striking um uh the research they've done on the on the impact of um animal agriculture on the planet yeah absolutely so um that was really really somber again that's not that's not my vibe really so i'm going to <laughs> i'm going to move us on to something a bit more fun and yes. sparked by my mention of finding nemo yeah. earlier um which i I will die on that hill. It's the best film in the world. Um, <laughs> but I was wondering if you have any like favourite vegan films that you want to talk about for recommendations, maybe. Babe. Oh, I such think a Babe good one. Is great. Yeah. Um, just you were talking earlier about trying to educate kids on 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 these yeah. issues, and you know, Babe is yeah. such. A, and James Cromwell was a, an ambassador for us, I think, last year. Um, who's who's plays the um, farmer in Babe? Um, a documentary uh, that um, was quite instrumental in my transition to a plant based diet was uh, Vegucated. Um, I'm not too sure where that's available. I think it's on YouTube now. Um, it follows just a group of people, a group of people as they try a plant-based diet and they um, go and see the conditions that fam uh, that animals live in on factory farms. It's not graphic at all, um, uh, 
But what was interesting uh, about it to me was the way right at the end, they ask each of the people who've tried a a plant-based diet for for all for different reasons and for a different amount of time. Um, They say, well, what is your diet now? And they each describe their diet in different ways. Uh, Some of them say... um, vegan half the week or like flexitarian or I can't remember what what the descriptions are but for me it was really instrumental because I looked at it and I said you don't it's like the progress not perfection thing Mm I can I can follow a diet which um is in line with my principles and not be afraid of this thing of being called a hypocrite and and vegetated was really great for that yeah how about you? Have you seen any more films that have been good for you? So I love um, The Game Changers. And if you haven't seen it, it's, you know, it's lots of celebrities and they go through all the various different reasons that we could be vegan. And it was very instrumental in me helping my partner to become, um, he's vegetarian, but to become um, plant-based really. Um, I think I think he thought that it was like this, diet for like weak um malnourished people um and then when I was like you know there's Arnie on there you know Jackie Chan's there having a chat about you know his diet and I I just thought it was really really great for maybe that kind of section of people who are a little bit hesitant because maybe they are like gym goers and they're not sure how to um you know how it'll affect that and I just thought it it was also quite inspiring as well it's not I don't think it's a particularly somber film I think it's quite Mm. um inspiring and because there are so many well-known people in there it makes it feel much less like a weird quirky diet and more like something that's achievable and attainable um so I think that's that's a good one uh yeah it really focuses I don't think you said that it really focuses on sports people and the kind of there's a real real trend (laughs) there's a real trend at the moment for using um plant-based diets uh for uh the best sports performance because it it's really good at aiding recovery um uh, it's a really great way to fuel um, to, to fuel exercise. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting, and so many I, that's that I think converted so many people mm. um, to plant-based diets. Yeah, and some of the popular ones that we get um, a lot are sea spiracy and cow spiracy. Yeah, they're a bit darker. They're a bit more graphic, yeah. aren't they? Um, but really informative, um, and I think I'm really quickly able to shift your opinion so you're a little bit more informed as to kind of what happens and where food comes from I think they're really interesting they're a little bit conspiracy theorist in the way that they are filmed they they're uh yeah they have that kind of feel to them but everything that they talk about you know they go through the facts and stuff and it's it's a they're really good ones to to have a watch um when you're feeling like you need to learn a little bit more but just Mm. yeah just be warned I think I think a couple of those are a little bit gory and a bit um much if i remember correctly so yeah i don't think they're too i think maybe there are some short clips uh i don't think they're too bad they're more they're more focused on the environmental aspects and the animal uh, animal welfare aspects but um i think that you're right there may be one or two yeah yeah um, just i was just going to warn people if they're going to have dinner don't it's not one to watch in front of dinner but um yeah yeah, like you say they're not they're not horrific we've i'm sure you have as well i've definitely seen some some things that I just um, 
can't think about when I'm eating anymore. So, uh, yeah, they're not that kind of a film. They're not going to upset you, but um, they're just, they're really informative. And and I think that everyone, as I said before, deserves to be kind of informed about about that. Um, So, Stu, I think we've come to the end of this episode. Um, Yeah. What have we got to look forward to next week on the next episode? Well... We, ha- we have planned these episodes to accompany you if you were taking part in Veganuary. So there's uh, one episode for each week of January 2023. And um, we don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> we're, uh, we're hoping that uh, if the podcast is popular enough, we'll, we'll continue maybe with a monthly podcast. But we are going to be back for one last episode um, for February, where we're going to be talking about... Veganuary and um, all the exciting things that happened during Veganuary and also some of the impact that the Veganuary campaign has had. Mm, yeah, because we are celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. It's our 10th birthday. So, yeah, that episode will feature some really exciting um, stats, I think, some really um, intriguing information for, for people to um, yeah learn a little bit more about us as well. That's it, yeah. But for now, you've been listening to the Veganuary Podcast. Uh, I'm Stuart. And I'm Kim. Thanks for listening. Bye.